Welcome to Views from the Porch, a podcast where we explore what it looks like to survive and thrive in your young adult years. Each week, we talk about the biggest challenges facing young adults today and how to overcome them from God's Word based on our weekly experience in leading thousands of young adults at the porch. For more info on the porch, visit theporch.live. Thank you for joining. Hey, what's up? It's your boy, JP. Welcome to Views from the Porch. We are in the podcast studio. I have the one and only David Marvin. And Elena Haas. Hey guys. Also the one and only. The one and only. Hey, I got some I do big have news a twin before though. we dive in. Come on, I'll take big news. Two podcasts from the porch, our only two podcasts, are in the top one hundred on iTunes. That's podcast what's up. within the subcategory of religion and spirituality. That's what's up. Um, one is in uh, thank the you. 60s. Hey, thank you, faithful, committed listeners. Yes, for real. That thank you is for you, the one listening right now. Thank <laughs> you. Yes, tune it in. For real. Hey, thank you guys for listening. It really does help when you subscribe. You rate if it's helpful. But um, but I just thought that was that was really encouraging. And, and someone else, we had a mutual friend who pointed that out to us yeah. that we didn't even realize about. And so just really cool. Hey, today, yes, today. we are talking about a big problem for my generation. And that is around the topic of authority. Oh, that's not going to help ratings. Autonomy, yeah, tell me about it. And, uh, and just the idea of what it looks like to submit to authority, balancing freedom, which is really related to authority, because ultimately there's this idea that I think I have, all of us have, I want to be totally free, autonomous, not have to submit to things. And, uh, and so I wanted to specifically address that topic today. Before I, I do that, dude, you launched a book last week. Mm-hmm. That's true. That, uh, that's exciting news. We're in the past right now, so we're talking about the future. So this is actually a few weeks before that will even take place. But um, Welcome to Adulting came out, and uh, I'm uh, excited. I'm sure at this point, whenever this is released, we'll be even more excited to celebrate that. You can find Welcome to Adulting wherever books are sold. So let's talk about authority and dive in. Unless, Elena, you got anything you want to talk about? Yeah. I'd love for you to tell JP what you said about him before he started recording. Yeah. I thought yeah. I would too. Yeah. Well, I uh, I don't think that I can repeat that on air. <laughs> and you All right, know, you have 24 hours. And I'm going to enjoy every moment of that 24 hours oh, that we have. I'm going to, this, this time tomorrow. These are, this is who I work with. <laughs> I, know, I know some of you out there are like, man, JP seems so mean to David and Elena. That's because yes, you, you don't witness the abuse that I take <laughs> off the air. No, no, it's an SOS. <laughs> We're crying out. <laughs> Uh, okay, authority. <laughs> authority. All right, so uh, let's talk about uh, specifically young adults and the dilemma of freedom that they have and how the inability to handle the freedom that once you get out of college, you're all on your own, you're out in the real world, the inability to really handle that is leading to the opposite of freedom, yeah. ironically. Yeah, so all your life you face temptation, like all of your life. Temptation is a fact. I mean, I see it in my five-year-old the temptation that he faces. So all your life you do. But the difference with my five-year-old is I'm right there as his dad to protect him and to help him and to show him which way to go, to explain things to him. And I can remember when my parents dropped me off at college at my on-campus apartment and then they peeled out of the parking lot that it was just this feeling. Have you Remember the last time that you traveled for work or your parents when you were at home and your parents left town and just that that feeling of all of the freedom or maybe you took a guy's trip or a girl's trip to Las Vegas and you know before you were a Christian and it was just like oh my gosh anything can go down anything can happen all of the freedom 
Well, I think what happens for so many of us is we have that freedom. We face the same temptations without the help that we've had. So it's temptation plus freedom. And we don't have the maturity or the responsibility to handle that freedom. So what happens in our freedom, we pursue something that is as an addiction and we get stuck there and we don't have the freedom to stop pursuing it. So let me say that again succinctly. We want the freedom to pursue something that when we pursue it, we can't stop pursuing it. And now we don't have the freedom to stop pursuing it. See also pornography, see also relationships, uh, girls that are a little bit boy crazy, uh, see also work, like you wanted a specific job and now you're a slave to it. And so, so often we want the freedom of, uh, to do something that we become a slave to. Alcohol, substance abuse. I talked to a dude last week at marijuana. I mean, I mean just anything no, and everything. Nobody's ever, like I was talking to, a guy who who is addicted to heroin and i mean nobody sets out to be addicted to heroin i mean heroin must be amazing that somehow people do it once and then do it twice and then they can't stop doing it and um and so using drugs i mean that that's a great metaphor for the kind of thing we're talking about but where it's really really dangerous is when it's more acceptable than drugs like shopping and so you just keep spending money and you don't realize or don't even pause to think uh, how much you're dishonoring god in that process yeah it's good man so the flip side of of handling that freedom is uh, that all of us especially if you're a christian is that you are called to submit to authorities and these authorities are given by God to be a part of keeping you free, if you will, at some level. But um, as much as anything, I, I really just want to talk about that, that subject of authority, because I think this is really prevalent, or not dealing well with authority is prevalent in our generation. And so biblically, there's three things that, that Christians, followers of Christ, are to uh, submit to. There's three human authorities that God says we are to live underneath and not rebel against and we'll talk about maybe the ways at times it could be appropriate, but what are those three? The three human authorities? Yep. Yeah, so I think the first one is obviously government, and so just that you follow the speed limit, that you put your seatbelt on, uh, that you pay your taxes. I mean, this is we all exist under a government authority. Um, Romans 12 talks about this idea. Uh, all, all authority is as um, God is over all authority, and so uh, we are to respect and obey the emperor or the president or the government authorities over us. Uh, the second one is our employee. And so in the scripture, there's a lot of slave master language used. And the slave master relationship was most like an employee and employer. It wasn't a racial slavery like we think of when we think about the black eye of our country or, or in history, uh, when we think about just the, the gross abuse that happened under the, the context of slavery. Um, it wasn't a racial slavery. Often it was a, a, voluntary, a voluntary, like, hey, I would love to to be your slave if you would care for me and make sure my family eats. And so it talks about us being subject to our employers. And, um, you know, Titus 2.10, Colossians 3, First uh, Peter 3, Ephesians uh, 5 and 6. And so just that idea. Um, and then lastly, one that we don't think about a lot is the being under the authority of the church. Hebrews thirteen seventeen says, obey your leaders so that you would be a joy, not a hindrance to them. And it's talking about the, specifically your elders, your church leaders. And so everybody listening who 
claims to be a follower of Christ, the Bible assumes that you are under the, uh, the church's authority. And I think that's really key to folks who just take a buffet of podcasts or, hey, I'm church hopping and shopping right now. Uh, what you're missing in your life is, is being subject to authority in the church. I think there's real freedom found there. Yeah, that's good. All right, let's take these one by one kind of to address where our uh, listeners are in life. As it relates to uh, submitting to the governing authority, what are the ways that young adults miss this? Because we live in probably the most political time in my life that I can remember where everything is political. You turn, you can't turn on, like, football without something, or just, and that's not picking up football, you can't turn on anything without it being political. And everyone's really charged, and everyone's got strong opinions as it relates to the president and not the president and the former president. And so what are the ways that young adults are, I don't know if not submitting to, but um, but, but I guess you could call it that, are, are uh, missing it as it relates to their, uh, the way they're using their voice or social media or just in general with the government. You mentioned a couple, but uh, any others that you would say don't reflect what a Christian should look like in a democracy? Well, I think first of all, anywhere we break the let law. Me say, let me, a democratic republic. Every yeah. time that I say democracy, I get an email from somebody yeah. who's like, technically it's We're a democrat. democrat, yeah, democratic republic. Um, when I get those emails, I just hit delete. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding to the person who keeps emailing me that about the Democratic Republic. Keep going, buddy. I read every one of them. <laughs> uh, we get it. We get it. Uh, anywhere you're breaking the law. So the first, for starters, if you're breaking the law, you're not obeying the government. Um, talking to you, speedster. Um, you know, I got a ticket the other day. I was speeding. I truly did not know the speed limit. It was a complete accident. Yeah, and yeah, And so it was yeah. just like, you know, my first inclination is to try to get out of the ticket. And then I'm like, but wait, I'm guilty. Uh, I, I broke the law, so I need to, you know, render to Caesar what is Caesar's. And so what does it look like for me to, you know, to pay this ticket or take my option of defensive driving or whatever that is? Um, I think, too, just people are so angry right now. Everyone feels like there's this gross injustice they have to take to social media. And I, I just think there, as if you are a follower of Christ, um, you want to do that in the most God-honoring way you possibly can. And I can't get into the details of what that looks like. You know your heart. You're listening. You know your heart. And if you're doing something out of anger that has moved from a righteous anger, it's just consuming you, uh, it's probably ungodly. And that's uh, you need community around you. You need people speaking into that and uh, understanding what that is. But I just social media is such a dangerous trap of just going there and just venting all your angers and frustrations at the government. I think that can be pretty foolish. Yeah, and and I know there's something you mentioned actually in your book, which I was recently going through authority chapter, and we've talked about it before. That if you're not praying for your president, praying for your senate, praying for your leaders more than you're protesting or more than you're just attacking them on a Twitter or social media tirade, there, there may be something off. The Bible commands us to pray for all those who are in high places. And so that was that was something that like I feel like I didn't learn for the first 25 years of my life, that God commands that I would pray for the United States Senate or pray, commands that I would pray for the House or just these positions that, that uh, are filled by men and, and that I'm to pray for them to be filled with godly men and pray for those men. So um, that's good, man. On the uh, topic of of slavery and work. That feels like kind of a weird connection. Do you want to go a mile further on why you connect those? What, what would you say? What's in your head? 
Uh, I think that historically why people have connected those is because Paul is telling and Peter is telling people who are not paid, they're not compensated, but they are um, employed, for lack of a better uh, way of saying it, because, you know, they're provided for, that that they are to honor their um, master or their, let's just say employer, because it's, uh, it's a less charged word just in light of the historical sins of our country. They're, they're to... Um, uh, they are to honor them, to work wholeheartedly, and to work in such a way that they make their master go, man, there's something different about this guy. So if Paul's telling people who are not even paid that they need to work hard and be the best at their job, whatever their job is, then of course you would assume it would it would make sense that he would be telling, wait, you get paid to do that job? Yeah. Is there any excuse for you not being the best employee, the hardest worker, and making Jesus more famous? I think that's why. But is there something in your head that you would say? No, I think. I mean, I think you're right. It's like you are most likely a merchant or a bond servant. Um, that would that would capture the largest demographic. Or, or when I say a merchant, a, a business owner would be a better way to say that. So you had your own business, or you were a bond servant. You came under the authority of someone else so that they would provide for you. And Paul says, obey them, not even, not only when their eyes are on you to curry their favor, but also like work hard when they're not even looking. And uh, in Titus 2.10, he says, so that the name, or so that the teachings of Jesus, our Savior, is attractive or are attractive. So he says, hey, I want you to work hard so that you make much of God, you spread the renown of God in your city. And this is so important because the gospel historically has traveled on commerce and work and employment. It's like I can it's hard for me to go to Saudi Arabia, but I could go there if I was was invited there by a company, you know, to work there. And so it's easy to uh, for the gospel to move forward uh, through our work and then likewise wherever you are, wherever you work, be it Starbucks or uh, independent school district or uh, in a building, corporate America, telecom sales, medical industry, whatever you do professionally, that is an opportunity for you to make much of God. That is a place, that is a mission field for you to make the teachings of our Savior Jesus Christ attractive, Titus 2.10. And so a way that you do that is to be the, the hardest worker there. What does it not look like to do this? Like, in other words, what are the pitfalls of the average young adult as it relates to not uh, submitting to the authority at work or being a bad example? Yeah, get there late, leave early, uh, spend time on social media while you're there or Craigslist doing your own thing, Um, you know, looking, acknowledging that others work harder than you, um, being lazy, disrespecting your boss, uh, not, not understanding um, or not agreeing to add to them to doing what they've asked you to do. And, you know, with the exception of sin, of course, like people are going to wonder, well, wait, sometimes I don't have to do what they do. But most often, like when people's all, people are all worked up about something their boss asked them to do, it's not sin. They just don't like their boss. And, um, uh, you know, Andy Stanley says, when someone asks you what to do, it's not the what, but the who. And I think that's a, a, a great little jingle to, to consider. When somebody tells you what to do, it's not the what, but the who. Did the person who told you what to do, are they an authority over you? And if they are, even if it doesn't make sense to you, if it's not sin, you should do it. Wait, what if they're dropping the F-bomb? They're telling me that I'm pathetic and and they're um, you know unfairly portraying the work that I did? Because I think a lot of people are going, uh, it's not fair. you don't know my boss. Yeah, they're saying it's not fair. Yeah. 
It's but it's not fair. And so like listen, if they're dropping the F bomb, you you know, again, if somebody tells you what to do, it's not the what, but the who. Now if they're saying you're pathetic, <laughs> personally offensive, I might say, Hey, you really hurt me with your words and go back to that uh podcast we did on on conflict resolution. Um but I I, I think you need to respect and listen to your authority. And and if you live if you work in Texas at least I'll speak for Texas I don't know about other states but we're a higher at will state and so if you you know if if somebody's asking you what to do and it's a toxic work environment uh, you have options you can go work somewhere else but it's going to be a lot easier to work somewhere else if you were the hardest working employee there and I also know of people who've won over their boss to the faith like their boss was a terrible person and they dropped f bombs all the time and they cursed at them and they hate you know they hated the toxic work environment but because this person worked so hard they were so diligent and so committed to their work their boss's heart changed and they said hey I want to know their God they made the teachings of Christ their Savior attractive yeah and so there's something going on with your boss. There's something messed up, broken. Almost to see yourself as when they're when they're lashing out and dropping the F-bomb and saying all that stuff, just knowing that, man, that person's a sinner who's essentially fulfilling their job description. They may claim to go to church every now and then, but to not take it personally uh, necessarily, even though as difficult as that may sound. Yeah. And um, so... Here's, here's what I know about your boss, listener. He or she is a sinner, uh, they are a broken person. They've got lots of challenges that they're facing. So be a blessing to them as much as you can, as much as it is in your power. Be a blessing to them. That's good. All right, the final authority you mentioned was being connected to a local church. And so what is what does that mean to be underneath the authority of elders uh, for the average person? Like yeah. if you go to the porch, are you underneath the Watermark Elders Authority? No, no, the porch is not a church. <laughs> we are not a church. We are a ministry of a church, Watermark. And so to be under the authority of elders, it means to belong to a church, to be a member there. And by elders, do you mean older people? No, I don't mean elder people. I mean presbyters. I mean church leaders, uh, pastors in the Scriptures, same word. Same word in the Greek. It shows up over and over throughout the New Testament. And so we are under the authority of church leaders, and um, we are engaged in a process. There's a church discipline process there that if somebody sins against us, there's a mediation process that the church can play. We are protected there. We are like sheep who need a shepherd. And you say, well, God is my shepherd. Who am I accountable to? God alone. Hey, that sounds spiritual. It's unbiblical. That's the problem. To the person who uh, says, hey, God alone is my authority, that person hasn't taken God's authority serious when he says to know his word because his word teaches otherwise, that he's assigned other authorities over you. And so uh, when Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, he wrote to the, to the uh, church in Colossae, he wrote to the church in Corinth, he wrote to the church in Ephesus, uh, he wrote to the church in Thessalonica. These were specific groups of people that were identified with these cities, and they, they had some governing authority over them within the church, an authority in the church over them. And so likewise, we practice that today through what is called membership. So my hope is that every follower of Christ that's listening, every member, I mean, every believer that's listening, they would belong to a church, and they would be accountable to the spiritual authority there. They would be known there and cared for there and provided for there and protected there. And uh, so that's, I think that God does that for a reason. So not just attending. No, not just attending. In other words, like, I think a lot of our audience is like, yeah, I'm a member at, uh, at Watermark. Yeah. And consistently, or people Because I visited there twice. Yeah, because I come on Tuesdays and I really like it and I'm a part of it. 
But uh, but that's going to look different, I guess you would say, depending on what church you're a part of, being a member is going to mean something different. But almost you're saying don't assume you're a member unless you've gone through whatever membership process they have. Yeah, no, you're not a member because you say you're a member. You're a member because the church says you're a member. And, um, and if you're not a member, you're a consumer. And so you're showing up to take, take, take. Hey, I like this church because I like the worship and I like the teaching and I like what they can do for me and I like the cookies and I like the coffee and it's about me, 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 me. And so that made you that makes you a consumer, not someone that says, "Hey, this church, this is my platoon. We're at war in the world. We're I'm locked arms with these guys. I've got a general commanding officer that Jesus has placed an authority over me, and so I'm taking commands as they, you know, teach to me from God's word and I'm I'm ask I'm I'm going to show up where they they say to show up and win and I'm going to serve and set out chairs and now you're living out your purpose. So what if Someone listening is like, oh, I go to a church, but they don't have membership. Are you more saying like, get connected, start serving? Like, what could that look like if membership isn't an option? Yeah, I think if they if your church doesn't have uh, offer like membership, go to the pastor or whoever the spiritual authority is, and just say, hey, how can I be known here and contribute here? And what does it look like to be just a great contributor to this body of Christ? That's good. How would you encourage someone to decide where they're going to be a part of what church? Or a lot of people go from church to church, they church hop, they're finding one. I like this pastor on this on Saturdays, this one on Sundays, or on Tuesdays. And so how would you tell someone who's like, all right, I need to decide which church um, to basically make a decision? That's such a great and helpful question, David. I think it, it depends on... Um, so I'm like... Like in Dallas, for example, we have an embarrassment of riches of of churches, and so for me, it's like okay, find a church that teaches the Bible, um, that you know opens God's word, is going to hold you accountable to knowing God's word, and and join there. And so sometimes it's just geographically, hey, which one is the closest to you? Which one are, is the one you're going to go to? It's kind of like the Bible. Which one are you going to read? Meaning the you know NIV or uh, NASB or ESV, it's just like NLT, which version are you going to read? Choose that one. Which church are you going to go to, attend, and contribute, assuming that it believes the Bible and it has good doctrine and it teaches the Bible and holds you accountable to knowing the Bible? Join that church. If you ever find the perfect church, this is so important, so lean in. If you ever find the perfect church, so like you, you found it, it's the perfect church, whatever you do, do not go there because you will ruin it because we are imperfect people. And so stop looking for the perfect church and find the biblical church and join there like with some sense of urgency. I think so many young adults today are just like church hopping and shopping and, and consuming like it's a buffet, and, I, and they're not growing because of it. It's good. Lots to chew on, lots to think through. And lots to apply regardless of where you are, whether it's at your work, whether it's at... Um, just with the government, whether it's with the church and being connected and taking that next step. That's all I got. Yeah. Well, hey, it's great to be with you guys as we talk about authority. This is Views from the Porch, and we'll see you next week. We want to thank you for listening to Views from the Porch. For more information about The Porch Ministry, visit us at theporch.live or follow us on social media at The Porch. <laughs>